On today's episode, we're going to be talking about the elephant in the room. Why a loving God, or how a loving God, could allow so much suffering in the world on Soul Zero Two. And welcome to Soul Zero Two. This is the podcast that is putting the oxygen back into the Christian life one soul at a time. And our goal is to encourage the, the believer in Christ to follow Him and to not give up. And today we're talking about the elephant in the room. How could a loving God allow so much pain? How could a God that loves His universe, that loves His creation, allow so much pain in the world? And the reason why I'm doing this podcast is because of the the latest spate of, of violence and of evil in the world, of you know, the shootings and the these awful things that happen. And we find that that when uh, when when these things happen, we, we often look up and we say, Why? And and in fact, uh, somebody once put it this way that there are th- three of the greatest questions humans can ask during times of crisis. Or, 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 or not, you know, or they ask period whether those crises or not. The first one is, who am I? The second one is, what is my purpose in this world? And the third is the hardest, why did God allow this to happen? And this is a hard question to answer because right now we're, we're in the throes of, of this gun violence and this, these shootings that are just awful. And there's no, there's no end in sight. And... You know, people think that, well, more laws are going to change it. You know, and the fact is that we can split the atom. We can make it look like we can do miracles as a human race. We can do incredible things. We can launch into space. But if there's one thing we can't do without Jesus, without the power of God, is this. We can't change human nature. And so with that, I, I just want to point out the very simple fact that when when we go through these things, when we go through these, through these horrific uh, losses in our world, like I said, we look up. And when we look up, we ask these questions. In light of the fact that millions have died from COVID the past couple of years, thousands of Ukrainians have been murdered in war. A mother loses a toddler in a tornado. A plane crashes in China, and, and some say, you know, they're saying it was a suicide thing. Ten people are killed in, in Buffalo by a white supremacist. And then there's the California shooting and then the Texas shooting. And then it's like every, every two weeks there's a shooting. But there's this deeper question I want to talk about for a moment. Because usually the way the narrative goes is that when, when we talk about God, we, we always say, well, how could God allow this? You know, how could God, how could God permit this situation in my life? And, and, um, and, but the deeper question is, is really the how question. And the reason why we talk about the how question is because the why question deals with God's power, right, or his sovereignty. In other words, when, when good things happen, or rather bad things happen to good people, people that don't deserve it, people that have led a good life, we always ask the why question, why God? If you have all the power in the universe, why did you prevent why didn't you prevent this loss? Why didn't you prevent this this terrible tragedy? But then 
on its heels is the greater question, in my humble opinion, and, in, and others, not just me, but others, but it's the how question. The why question deals with God's power, right, or his sovereignty, but the how question deals with God's character. And this, this, is, why, this is where we're getting somewhere here, that, Lord, if you love me, if you really care for me, you sent your son to die for me, if you are my Father in heaven, and all the hairs on my head are numbered, then how could you let this happen? And the reason why it's a character question, let me explain it this way. Let's say your loved one, a spouse, someone who loves you, you know them, they know you. Suddenly, they betray you, or do or say something awful to you, and you feel violated somehow, and you look at them, and you say, how could you say that? How could you do what you just did? I thought I knew you. I thought we, we were close. How could, you, how could you go that far as to allow that question? And the how question is what led Job to confront God in his complaint. And in fact, in the scriptures, uh, many psalms even, even touch on this, a psalm that Jesus quoted on the cross, in fact. And, and we find Psalm 22. It says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but find no rest. This is a psalm of lament. And Eleanor Stump, who wrote a, a wonderful book about suffering called Wandering in the Darkness, she paints a picture of disillusionment and hopelessness in the life of Abraham uh, of what he might have been thinking after God commanded him to sacrifice his only son on a place he's going to show him. Because one thing that was awful and, and really torturous and, and terrible was simply this, that first God says, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your only son. But then Abraham had three days' journey to think about this and to mold it over in his heart. So imagine how torturous that, that feels. You have three days to think about this horrific thing God asked you to do. So Eleanor Stump suggests, well, here's what he might have been thinking. Everything in 25 years of building relationship between me and God, all those years of waiting for the promise are lost. Everything I thought God was speaking to me was a mistake. And we find that and she goes further and says this, everything I believed would come to me because of my obedience to God was for nothing. Everything I thought I knew about God is an illusion. Every promise of God to me is false, and all the trust I placed in those promises ends in betrayal. The judge of all the earth is, is a promise breaker because he desires the death of an innocent child in a sacrifice, and nothing that I thought was true is true. So do you see why, why the how question is a deeper question in a sense than the why question? Because the how question deals with God's character. How could this loving God permit this, this one thing to happen in my life, this, this, awful, this awful loss? And there are some things that make this, this how question so tough. 
how could God, who loves this universe, right, allow a universe where, where suffering is so awful, where people are so lost and messed up? But I want you to look at it this way. God's original creation was perfect in the beginning. The scriptures tell us that a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. And the word wind there in, in the Hebrew can also mean uh, the Holy Spirit or spirit. So basically the Holy Spirit was hovering, even from creation, he was caring for the creation that God made. And everything that God made was good. It said it's seven times in the in the Genesis narrative. It was good. It was perfect. When God made everything, it was absolutely flawless. It was clean. It was good because nothing had the taint of sin in it. So imagine a place where there is no violence, no hopelessness, no fear, no hatred, no prejudice, where the land cooperates with its inhabitants where there are no earthquakes, no natural disasters, no pollution, a place because there is no sin, people can walk around naked and not even know about it. A place that because it is not tainted by sin, it's that much more stunning than the creation you see every day. And there is one word for this, and one word only. It's shalom. Shalom is a state of tranquility, a state of tranquility or wholeness. But it's also, it can also mean nonviolence or reconciliation or serenity or, or spiritual peace or tranquility. And shalom is a very powerful word. And we find that, that this, this shalom word, however, was shattered when something terribly wrong happened in creation. And we find that in the scriptures, the scriptures tell us that a serpent showed up. And, and it, it was downhill from there. Something went terribly wrong when the serpent showed up. And Genesis 3, 1 through 7, talks about this serpent showing up and tempting our first parents. So it's safe to say that God made the world perfect, but sin broke the world. And when Adam and Eve sinned, a tragedy beyond imagination occurred. A perfect world with no disease, no depression, no murder, no fear, or disasters became a world where all these things are now possible. And the original purpose of creation had been ruined. So Alvin Plantinga once described sin as this in this manner. Sin is anti-shalom. It's the opposite of peace. It's the opposite of flourishing. It's the opposite of a perfect world. That's what sin is. That's why, have you ever noticed that when you sin, it just never leaves you clear in your conscience. You don't have any peace. But there's good news. And the good news is this, that God is restoring it. Christ came to restore creation to its original design. That's the point. That's the encouraging word I want to give you today. And not only did he come to do this, but creation reacts to this great truth. In the scriptures, we find that in Romans chapter 8 and verse 22, it says, We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves 
who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. And so, even animals, as well as humanity, knows there has to be more than this. There's something greater than this, and we are missing it. This is only a millionth of what it should be, of what it could have been. And that's part of why we are saved. That's why God saves us. Because God wants us to enjoy creation the way he originally designed it. So no matter how evolved we humans think we are, no matter how powerful we think we are, we cannot change human nature. And that's why there's so much evil in the world today. That's why there's a shooting almost every day now. Because human nature is broken by sin. And the only way to get back is through repentance. Repentance is the beginning of God's restoration. When Peter was preaching in Acts 3, Peter simply said this. He said, Repent therefore and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And then he starts talking about the kingdom here and that he may send the Messiah appointed for you, that is Jesus, who must remain in heaven, and here's the part you underline, until the time of universal restoration that God announced long ago through his holy prophets. So God is renewing things. At the cross, it began, and the resurrection began speaking life to the old creation and renewing it. God is not going to get rid of this planet. He's going to renew it someday. That's the point. It'll be a new heavens and a new earth. So God did not start the problem, but he is transforming the problem of evil every day until Jesus returns and until, until everything becomes perfect. Because I don't, I don't believe we're going to become perfect before Jesus comes. I think it's going to be you know, after Jesus comes because we're limited right, by this flesh. But God is transforming it and he's bringing good out of bad situations every day until one day the whole universe is changed. And this is why there's a beautiful scripture in Habakkuk that puts it something some like this. It says, But the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So think about it. That's a promise of God, that one day the earth is going to be filled with God's glory. So how do you get beyond you know, you're struggling with this why question, right? So how do you get beyond? How do you and I get beyond the why question? How do you get beyond it? Because, and how, rather, how do you get beyond the how question, right? The why question is bad enough, but how do you get beyond the, the, the character question, the how question? And that's a hard one. But there is hope here. Because if we can find the revelation that God suffers with us, if we can discover that for ourselves, the idea that in the scriptures, God suffers with us. This is what the incarnation is all about, that God came to be like us and to suffer with us and to feel what we felt, right? And this is why in the scriptures, in Hebrews 4.15, uh, it, says, it says, we do not have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. And I like this version because of the fact that our reality, right? Uh, he's been through weakness and testing, experiencing it all, but without sin. And I want you to think about this for a second, how, how powerful this scripture is. 
that in the life of Jesus, Jesus experienced all the things that we will ever experience. He was, he was weary and thirsty in John 4, 6. He was in distress and grief, and he was troubled in his heart in Mark 3, 3 and John eleven thirty five. His sufferings were such that, that, that he thought, uh, that, that, as he, that as he prayed, rather, in Hebrews 5, 7, he prayed with loud cries and tears, the scriptures tell us. He was misunderstood and rejected by his best friends and betrayed. John 3, or John 7, 3 through 5. He was tempted and assaulted by the devil, but without sin. And the beauty of it in Hebrews 5, 8 is that he learned from what he suffered. That's the key. Can you redeem something from your suffering? Yes. As tragic as it is, as awful as it is, there's something you can learn from it in God. So look at it this way. In the death of Jesus, Jesus experienced the weight of the sins of the world, the absolute separation from his Father, and the inner darkness that comes from from these awful trials. But Jesus saw him too. He felt him there. He knew that the Father had already given him the kingdom before he went to the cross, right? Before he served communion. Uh, He broke bread with the disciples. He says, knowing that all things... The kingdom was given to him already, right? All things were, were, were his already. He knew it already. And, and the fact that he didn't feel it didn't mean that he didn't know it. So Martin Luther once, once put it this way, in, in an encouraging way, that he said, he said, suffering is unbearable if you are not certain that God is for you and with you. So here's the point. Jesus is for you and he's with you in your pain. And there is nothing more powerful than when you suffer. You're in this hole and you don't know how to get out of that hole. Then someone plunks down right next to you and says, I'm with you. I'm with you in it. There's nothing more powerful than that. And that's what Jesus did on the, on the cross for us. And that's what he did in the resurrection. He, he came to be with us. He came, he, he is... Uh, he, he is the God among us, right? The scriptures tell us. And this is why Job was able to say with confidence, though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. That even if God kills me, even if he allows me to die, I'm going to still have hope in him. So when we suffer greatly, it feels like like we're being lost in a storm, like we have no nowhere to go and, and we don't know what to do, God. And that reminded me of a story of Florence Chadwick, who was a great swimmer in 1952. And she stepped into the waters of the Pacific Ocean off the uh, Catalina Islands, determined to swim to, to shore all the way to California. And she'd already been the first woman to swim the English Channel both ways. The weather was foggy and chilly, and she could hardly see the boats accompanying her. Still, she swam for 15 hours. When she begged to be taken out of the water along the way, her mother, in a boat alongside, told her, Honey, you're so close to the shore. Finally, physically and emotionally exhausted, Florence stopped swimming and was pulled out. And it wasn't until she was out of the boat where she discovered that she had only been less than a mile away from the shore half a mile to be exact. And think about this. 
that if she could have just seen the shore, she would have made it. So what am I saying to you today? That with God, with, with Jesus, He's our shore. We fix our eyes on Him during these terrible times. Whenever there's a shooting or horrific thing, I say, Lord, I pray mercy and grace on those families. So we ask God for His grace and mercy on all these families, the losses. You know, we, we live right, right next to Buffalo, and it, it, it tremendous impact on us. And But we, we pray that God, He is going to redeem this. He's going to make it right. And, and He is redeeming the world. He's changing it. Let Him save you if you don't know Him today. So till next time, uh, check out the podcast and, and uh, click a like and join us on, on, our, on, our, uh, on our channels. You know, we, we have, we're on YouTube. We're on, uh, we're on different networks now. And so check us out and, and you know, subscribe to, to the audio ones. We're, we're on Apple. We're, we're on uh, uh, Spotify and, and all the major platforms. So check it out and please, please join us. It would be great to have you with us. So until next time, God bless you.